Ascension News, the age of the Guru is over. There are many reasons why I say the age of the Guru is over. There was a time when having such a teacher play such a role was very useful. And there certainly have been many enlightened beings who have come to the earth plane to teach, guide and inspire humanity to greater heights. But since we have passed into the age of Aquarius at the 11.11.11 portal, the old ways of doing things do not work so well now. Of course there are genuine teachers and gurus. In the West, the term guru does not so much feature in our spiritual traditions. We had pagan shamanic traditions that would eventually convert into Christianity. We had shamans and priests, but we never really, never really had a guru tradition. In the East, Guru was there to guide, challenge and direct students. And the word Guru means remover of darkness. The path of the Guru is spoken about much in ancient Vedic literature, which speaks of the Guru as the one who opens the way to liberation. So the Guru was the one who would bring all your stuff to the surface, who would push you, test you in order to put you onto a path of light. A true Guru, of course, teaches about love. He or she would have a deep understanding of the knowledge they were teaching. They would have a great integrity and purity in their words and actions, and they would radiate a great degree of humility and peace. But here we are in this age of transition, so let me talk about false gurus. Now, as the mind-body-spirit fields become increasingly embraced by mainstream publishing houses and media channels, we have witnessed an explosion of various gurus and experts, an influx of enlightened masters of the universe, self-help gurus and spiritual teachers popping up left, right and center. Now, personally, I've met many great teachers and have attended some wonderful personal development seminars. But we just have to be cautious, particularly anyone offering easy solutions to happiness or enlightenment. Also, anyone adopting fancy names and titles. To give you an example, I used to be a director of an organization called Alternatives, which promoted international spiritual authors and teachers. And we had an application from uh, an American woman claiming she was a master shaman. Now remember this person was put on, this is some 15 years ago, and I did listen to her speak and I remember being very unimpressed by her presentation. I can't actually remember a single word of what she said. Now in contrast, I've heard many shamans over the years speaking who grew up in shamanic cultures and then came to the West to speak and teach. And I could certainly say there's a world of difference between these teachers who are greatly humble and a great depth and this woman who claimed to be a master shaman. Now to go even further beyond the false gurus, some gurus we could really say are cult leaders. There are cult leaders found in the West. For example, Christian evangelical cults are commonplace. Cult leaders do not allow independent thinking or questioning. Cult leaders convince their followers to abandon any such thinking in return for a sense of belonging and spiritual authority or purpose. However, when things do not work out well, the followers' so-called lack of faith is usually what's to blame. A common idea among cult leaders is that they are above the law, whether human or divine. This allows them to exploit their followers economically, sexually, without any repercussions. Now, not everyone is a false guru, but even if we have a legitimate guru bowing down to them, we are creating an external authority which seeks to act as an intermediary between ourselves and the divine. And this can be a problem. 
On the path of true mastery, there comes a point we must slay all external teachers and connect with the true teacher within our own higher self and I am presence. There is a problem with seeing the Guru as God incarnate. I went to a workshop uh, a few years ago, out of curiosity actually, by one Guru living in the West, and there was almost a thousand people uh, present. This person certainly had tremendous depth and presence and knew his stuff. His followers were all dressed in white and spoke of the Guru in great terms as if he was God incarnate. There was lots of bowing and kissing of hands and feet. Now this may sound okay to some, but the issue here is when we project our divinity in such a way, we're not really being encouraged to recognize and connect to the divinity in ourselves. The teacher becomes the focus of all our attention and energy. Now, a guru creates followers that tend to be submissive to the established authority. And in turn, they can become, in some instances, aggressive on behalf of that authority. This authority can create great conformity in word and action amongst the followers. Followers need to behave as the chosen authority decides. And followers can become very fearful and self-righteous, I've noticed. Easily incited, led, and actually impervious to facts or reasons and relying instead on the social support of the group to maintain their belief systems. Followers are incredibly loyal and can create rigid boundaries and can have highly compartmentalized minds and thinking processes. A guru can assume they know your spiritual journey or your spiritual landscape better than you. And gurus can be prescriptive. They may prescribe spiritual solutions that are not right for you. And I'm going to cite one well-known guru that I actually do respect, known as Osho Rajneesh, who was quite experimental and very unorthodox. And many thousands of Westerners flocked to India to be taught and sit at the feet of this master. And on the one hand, he got so many to move, to dance, to sing, to dive deeply into their emotional nature and spiritual nature, and to meditate. On the other hand, for example, he promoted the idea that by indulging sexual desire to the full, it could then be transcended. Now, this may have worked for some, but definitely not for all. I've certainly visited a few Osho centers in my time, as well as training for a little while in the tantric practices originating from his teachings. And I can certainly say that I've met many people who are more addicted to continuous sexual expression than being enlightened to any degree. In fact, these people I would almost say were adolescent in their sexual expression. To cite another case, I knew someone for many years who began to suffer from severe depression. And his particular guru recommended he chanted for longer and with more devotion and faith. I, on, on the other hand, advised him to see a counsellor. Eventually he did this and sorted out the emotional and sexual issues that was causing the issue. And really chanting for longer and harder was never really going to help him. And there was another case of another young woman who went to see another spiritual guru, someone I also very much respect actually. But she was so deeply affected by meeting this guru that the power of the meeting was so strong that her life changed forever. However, it didn't change for the better. She became ill and very suicidal. And she began journeying from ashram to ashram looking for someone to kind of help and fix her. Eventually, I heard she did attempt to take her own life. That attempt failed, but I heard that she was paralyzed practically 95% in her body. So there are issues with gurus, whether false or real. 
coming back to this point, everything has changed in the age of Aquarius. We no longer need to give our power away to external teachers. We shouldn't give our power away. Now, we can be inspired, encouraged, and directed for a time, but this is definitely not about devotion, which is, which is the way things were done in the age of Pisces. In the age of Aquarius, we come together for empowerment. We come together in groups, in webinars, in summits. We gather, gather knowledge. We gather wisdom from many places. We try them out in our life. If they work, great, fantastic. If not, they're filed away and they may be useful one day file. We can embrace many spiritual teachers and mentors. We can have many in a lifetime, and each teacher may offer us a different aspect of learning, wisdom, or awakening. We do not bow to any mentor or coach, for example. We do not kiss their feet. So mentors and coaches are fine. Now, for nine years, I had an amazing spiritual teacher or mentor who totally opened my mind and heart to many ideas, to, to knowledge and spiritual practices. Then there came a time for us to part, and she certainly encouraged me to make the separation also. I am eternally grateful for all the input she gave into my life. She never became a guru. A spiritual teacher or mentor can certainly assist us for a while in gaining clarity over our thinking or feelings around certain issues, clarity around our eager resistance. A teacher or mentor does not seek to stand between our connection to our own power and sense of direction. A true teacher or mentor encourages the connection to our inner guidance. A true teacher empowers others to find their true path and true direction in life. A true teacher does not impose anything, no belief system, no value, no practice. They suggest a true teacher or mentor encourages a sense of mastery.